Friends, let's just pause for a few moments and reflect on God's goodness and God's grace. We're busy with a, a series, a sermon series on prayer. We've talked about scripture and the importance of scripture as part of prayer. We've also talked about encountering God in that first week, making sure we create spaces for us to encounter God. And this morning we are going to talk a bit about wonder, what it means to be in awe and wonder of this gracious and compassionate God in the everyday. And it's so much easier almost on a day such as this to be fully aware of his goodness for us. So let's just pause for a few moments of silent meditation and contemplation as we prepare our hearts and minds for what God wants to give us this morning. So where you are, just close your eyes and let's focus our thoughts on God. Father, thank you for this precious time together. We pray that you will bless our time together as we come together as your church. And as your body, scattered all over Kirkliston and neighboring towns of Broxburn and Apple and Edinburgh and South Queens Ferry and Falkirk and even further afar, be with us this morning. Make yourself known to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look around, everyone. This is God's house, and God is here among us, so get ready. Open your eyes. God wants to meet us here. I wonder if you think for a moment if there is a, a specific or a particular flight of stairs that you like? Is there, maybe it's one step or maybe two steps or maybe a, a long list of steps. When I think of, of a long list of steps that um, conjure up good memories for me. And um, I have to admit, it's not like I've been to all these places before, but I'm talking Spanish steps in Rome. Maybe you've been to Rome and you've seen that beautiful flight of stairs. Um, maybe you've been to Batu Cave in Kaolu Lapur in Malaysia. I think something like 272 steps to go up there. Or maybe you've been to Colombia and you've seen this before, or you've seen it on National Geographic or the BBC, some exotic wonders of the world. My favorite staircase is the Inca staircase. And a few years ago, um, I had the privilege of visiting Machu Picchu in Peru. And I remembered how tired and out of breath I and my team was when we got up there. But boy, oh boy, the vistas you were able to see from up there. The guide that took us up told us that, like many other civilizations, the Incas built this city on top of a mountain for protection, but also to be closer to their gods. And you know what? This also made me think of the Mesopotamians and the Mesopotamian Zikharats. There you will see a picture of how it looked. 
In Mesopotamia, the Sumerians believed that the gods, as you will see in that image, lived on top of these temples and shrines. And to get up there, you had to walk up the stairs reserved for priests and other highly respected individuals in society. Access to the shrine would have been by a series of ramps or by a spiral ramp from the base to the summit. Now, when we see these images of stairs and flights of stairs going up mountains, reaching into the heavens, when you see this zikharat, what Bible story comes to mind? What image comes to mind? If you're thinking Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, you are right. Following Noah and the flood, men baked brick and wanted to build a tower structure, something like a zikharat. In Genesis 11, verse 4, we read the following. Then they said, come, let, let's build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches the heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. A tower that reaches the heavens. Why? Why? To be famous to be known, to have power. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It shows the ambition of people to close this gap between human kingdom, the earth, and the divine, the heavens. It is a, it is a rebellious ambition, much like the ambition of man and woman in the Garden of Eden and the people of Noah's day. They wanted to be in control. They wanted to have more power, and have full authority. One commentary puts it like this. Note how humanity, instead of maintaining its own limitations, always wants more and seeks greater things. This is what humanity has lost, not being prepared to recognize the limitations of its own condition, always wanting more entertaining ambitions beyond its capabilities. When one pursues things of the world, accumulating wealth and status, he loses sight of his own nature and aspires so high that he falls to the deepest depths. This is seen every day without others being the wiser for having seen it. They pause for a moment, but immediately, immediately lose all memory of it and take the same path as the others, falling off the same cliff. I wonder if you've ever reached the top only to fall down from the cliff. You dream for years about that job or that relationship or holiday or promotion or salary increase, and when it comes, it's just not what you expected it to be. It it doesn't really satisfy as you thought it would. And you slide down to the very beginning only to start all over. I almost have this image of snakes and ladders. Maybe something else will make me more happy. Jacob fell off a similar cliff miserably. And no one would be able to put him back together. Not even his mommy, Rebecca, whom he favored, whom she favored. We heard also from Christine 
that Jacob had cheated and stolen his brother Esau's blessing and birthright from their father Isaac. He was in the process of building his own zikharat to reach the heavens, but it came crumbling down. He fled for his life to Haran, retracing the footsteps of his grandfather Abram. And on his way, he settled down for the night in a place of, as the passage says, no real significance. And then he has this dream that leaves him in awe and wonder. The same Zechariah he was attempting to build for himself through trickery and deceitfulness to reach heavenly status appears before his eyes with angels moving up and down. Only this time, he had no desire to do any of the climbing. It says in verse 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were going up and down, ascending and descending. This word stairway is translated from the Hebrew salum. And this Hebrew word could also mean ladder or ramp, likening it to the steps of a zikharan. And I sure hope I don't spoil your childhood image of an actual window cleaner ladder. And then this pivotal point, verse 13 from the New Revised Standard Version. And for the purpose of our time together, I wish to quote from it. It says, And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abram, your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Now, I don't think you quite grasped the weight of that verse considering the build-up to this point. The Lord stood beside him, says this New Revised Standard Translation. The NIV says stood above him. But the fact of the matter is, it means that God is not hidden in the stars, somewhere above the heavens, high up, inconceivable, out of reach, in a shrine reserved for the elite and for the priests, but close, close to Jacob. Jacob, the trickster, the sinner, the thief, the swindler, the one who up until this point had never even called on the name of the Lord. And what does God do? The first thing God does in an interaction, in an encounter with Jacob, go back, repent, apologize now, fall on your knees, you evildoer. No. Fascinatingly, despite his failed attempt at building his own ladder to heaven, God takes the initiative to build a ladder, meeting Jacob in his brokenness, in his loneliness, when he's lost absolutely everything, all his relationships, his friends, his family, his inheritance, when he is at an all-time low, without the prospect of a future, God comes down the zikharat, not to condemn, but to bless, 
bless him and his descendants and all peoples on earth. What a remarkable turnaround. And you know what, friends? This is the definition of grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. Not because Jacob's ladder is structurally sound, but because the one God gave is. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is this connection between heaven and earth, between us and God, to restore a broken relationship and to stand in the gap. We often use this word reconciliation when there's something that's broken and that needs mending. And so God takes the initiative because he loved us first. He gave us his life so that we might be able to live. And you know what? That, for me, is the big difference between our faith Christianity and any other mainline faith, whether it be Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam. All these other religions and faith are still in the building phase. They still try and earn their salvation through good deeds or being in a place of nirvana, acting morally and ethically. The focus is on their lives and what they need to do to inherit eternal life. Christianity is the only faith, as far as I'm aware, where God is the one that takes on human form in Jesus and gives his life so others might live. The only faith where the divine steps down the ladder and assimilates into human brokenness. You don't have to build that ladder. You don't have to earn anything. It's for free. But you must take it and claim it for yourself. I think many Christians don't understand this. We still believe we need to earn our salvation. If we do, we're no different from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We need only to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead to inherit eternal life. All Jacob had to do was to believe and receive. Almost like, like that thief next to Jesus on the cross. Jesus knew he wouldn't be able to go back and make amends, have time for a Kirk membership class or set up a standing order. Still, Jesus invites him on an express escalator into paradise. And an ordinary time and place turns into wonder. This kid, Jacob, had nothing going for him. Still, God chose him. I think, friends, that's the beauty for me of, of the Reformed tradition in, in something like infant baptism. It's primarily about God's covenant, God's initiative, God walking down the steps to say, I choose you. In your frailty, as a baby, you don't even have to remember that you were baptized. That's not the point. The point is God, God's love for you. Not your love for God, God's love for you. It's the same in this story. The focus shouldn't be on Jacob, but on God. 
a gracious God stepping down into the messy brokenness and choosing to journey with you out of love. And you know what? I think it's so ironic that, that the world encourages us to build these ladders, ladders of success, corporate ladders, ladders that lead to more status and power. When Jesus clearly, through his life and example, is constantly challenging his followers to do the opposite, to become less, to be humble, and to serve. Let the greatest among you be the servant of all, he says, for whoever makes himself great shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be made great. Effectively saying, the only way up is the way down. Maybe you have ladders or staircases or zegarats you build to reach the top, to be powerful, to be known. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful. But if that becomes your main driving force, it can end up in chaos. We all have this. It could be money or bitterness or resentment you hoard, or maybe even regret. Maybe today is an opportunity to take a step back, to accept that you'll never be able to reach the top because you don't have to, because the top has reached down to meet you where you are in your brokenness and mortality. That's what we are celebrating during the season of Lent. Maybe it's an opportunity just to take stock of where we are, of experiencing God's wonder and amazement in the ordinary, simple things of life so that we can too say, wow, this place has become a Bethel. Surely God is here. And I wasn't even fully aware of it. Let us, let us rejoice and be in wonder of this amazing God and his grace and forgiveness for us. And when we do that, we open up ourselves up to miracles and God's glory to break through, to break through and create heaven here on earth. And you know what? We saw heaven breaking through in the way many neighboring countries in Germany and Poland, so many normal citizens waited at train stations ready to accept refugee families into their homes. That's when we can stand in wonder and allow these ladders to reach beyond our comfort zones, to reach those in need, to create houses of God wherever we are. I want to lastly encourage you and challenge you to do something practical in this week. Once a day, when you go upstairs or take a step into your shower or it might be your bath, take a moment to just breathe in. Take a step down from your ladder and just be for a second. Be aware that God is with you in the ordinary daily things of life. Think of what God did for you by sending Jesus, climbing down the ladder to save you, leaving behind all his glory and majesty. 
think of his grace for you. The way up is the way down, deeper into God's love. When we become more aware of God with us, and when we are in awe and wonder of him, think of someone that hasn't discovered this yet, that's maybe battling with building their own ladders to reach some place of imagination that they're not even sure what the destination is. Take a moment when you take a step back, when you become aware of God's presence, to pray for these people, these friends or neighbors or friends, that they might also be able to experience the love of Jesus so that they can know that God is the ultimate, the perfect architect in his construction of the only ladder we'll ever need, which is Jesus. Amen. Let us finally now end off in prayer. Father God, we are absolutely bamboozled and flabbergasted when we think of this love and grace and mercy you poured out onto us by sacrificing your life so that we might have full access to eternal life. We pray, Lord, that you will give us the capacity to fully understand and comprehend the mystery behind this truth. When we celebrate communion, Lord, we experience something of heaven coming down to earth. People have often said it's a place, like so many others, where the air is thin, where we can experience something of your glory. Might that be true for us too as we reflect on this passage where Jacob had an encounter with you. He didn't really deserve that encounter, Lord. He was a bit of a, a self-entitled misfit, stealing birthright and blessings. But Jacob's story is our story, Lord. For we are too in need of your grace, in need of you to extend your hand of mercy to us. May we today and in this week extend that to others so that they may be able to experience something of heaven, especially in a world actually so obsessed with building ladders and zikharats up to whatever it is that we think will make us happy and give us fulfillment. Restore our faith in you and so to the faith of the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive now the blessing of the Lord. May the blessing of God Almighty that reaches down from heavens to meet you in your brokenness. And the love of our Savior and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of you now, in this day, in this week, and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>